Break out your wireframes and heat up those Git repos. We're ready to tackle topics ranging from accessibility to front-end design, user experience, and beyond. You're listening to the Drunken UX Podcast with your hosts, Michael Feenan and Aaron Hill. Coders and coderettes, designers and designerettes, uh, uh, developers and developerettes, this <laughs> is episode number one. I don't think it works like that. It, and three. Oh, is that not the way that works? Not all those words are French words. Listen, <laughs> I'm not French, but I know a thing or two about fries. <laughs> Folks, this is the Drunken UX Podcast. You're listening to episode number 103, and we are thrilled that you're here. I love seeing everyone in your faces on the other side of your phone listening to us. Oh, yes, we hacked the phones. I have mm-hmm. your camera. Yeah, uh, this episode is going to be about the state of UX in 2022, um, not from our perspective, but from the UX collective. Um, but I'm going to lie and say it's going to be the state of UX, but I'm going to throw in a little design. I'm going to throw in a little development. I think those things will fit neatly into some of this discussion. Don't you, Aaron? We we got, I mean, this is from the future. Like they, we were sent backwards some information about this. So this is from what to expect oh. from next year. Yeah, you're right. I didn't really think about that, but you're you're right. It is not not the state of UX for 2022, but in 2022. Yeah, we know what it's going to be like. We 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 will be the prophets. Actually, we're not the prophets. UX Collective is. Um, this comes from some research that they have done um, and collected. They've been doing uh, this since like 2016. Um, so they've got a bunch of these going back over time. Also, by the way, in case you didn't know, I'm your host, Michael Feenan. I'm your other other host, Aaron. How you doing, Michael? I, I went off on a tangent real fast. Today. It's, <laughs> can you tell it's the end of the year? I'm getting antsy. You know, it really bothers me that episode 100 wasn't the last episode of the year. Like, I can do math. I get it. But, like, it just irks me. <laughs> Man, uh, this is what you get for working with me. I don't I don't deal in, in numbers uh, so much. And not only that. But we are rounding out the year with a fantastic sponsor that you should go check out over at Tella. Tell me about this, Michael. Tella is a super cool platform um, that I've been playing with myself now that uh, I've been introduced to it. And I'm kind of loving it, I hate to say. I love it. <laughs> I just shouldn't say I hate to say. I love to say it. I, I enjoy finding new things that are super useful for me. They've got a browser-based screen recorder that lets you ca- uh, capture video, audio, um, and, of course, your screen to either showcase work that you have. Um, mm-hmm. Share knowledge, do demonstrations of things. It's super cool. It's incredibly easy to use. And you can go sign up for a free account. Just try it out and see if it fits something you need. Um, run by their website. It's tella.com slash ducks. That's T-E-L-L-A dot com slash D-U-X. Cool. Um, I'm going to I'm I'm gonna really break the mold tonight. And I'm not even sure I've ever done this on the show for our, our evening imbibement. Um, wine. Oh, I thought you were going to explain why you're not wearing a shirt. Oh, no, that's just because it's really <laughs> hot in here. Sweating. Uh, why? What kind of wine do you got? Don't, don't you like the little Drunken UX logo I shaved in my chest hair? Yeah, that's amazing, man. You must have a it's, really good like electric razor or something. Yeah, it, I mean, it, and it kind of makes me look like a man o' lantern, but not really. Like... <laughs> I, I I used the the razor, electric razor. No, I didn't wax it. That that would be dumb. Right. No, I can tell. Yeah, the little dots. Yeah. Um. No, I'm I'm drinking uh, Apothic Dark. Oh, I've had. I like Apothic. I like, man, 
I have had Apothic Inferno, and I usually mm-hmm. keep at least one bottle of it uh, in, in the house. I have drank a whole bottle of Apothic Inferno in one sitting by myself. Sure. <laughs> um, I had not had the Apothic Dark and didn't really know what to expect. I just saw it. It was cheap. I grabbed it. Um, cool. It's good. And now I'm not good with wine. Like, I can't do to wine what I do with scotch. But I like it. It's this is and this is literally just a California red blend. Like that's all it says on it. So like I don't even know what to tell you about it. Except that it's not sweet. It's definitely a little on the maybe a semi dry, I guess, maybe is the way to phrase okay. it. But it's very like chewy. It's got a really nice, like all all of those sort of dark fruity flavors that huh. Apothic Inferno to me is a little zingy. Yeah. Is that the word I'm looking for there? Like it's got a it's got a zest to it when you drink it. Like this is okay. more mellow. Like it just sort of like curves across the back of your tongue and just like keeps itself there. Whereas Inferno kind of hits the roof of your mouth a little bit. Is it like a buttery, like a buttery? Kind that of might thing? be a word. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. like that word. Yeah, I like that. That's. Uh, have you been drinking this as well? Here, here. Try I, some. Let me pour it on my microphone. Oh yeah, that's pretty. I hear what you mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, I haven't, I haven't had that one recently, but I had some wine at Thanksgiving that was, had kind of like a buttery flavor to it. Yeah. Um, I've just got a Tangeray and tonic. Um, I, I'm all out of mixers. I have all this liquor left from Thanksgiving and I, I just, I don't want to drink any of it straight. Um, so I got to get more mixers. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I guess we're ready to start, aren't we? That, that was like all the introduction stuff, except for one thing. I want to do one more thing here. I do want to give a shout out to Andrew Waite. He is over in, across the pond in the UK. He's also, uh, one of the co-hosts of the Unusable podcast, which I highly Mm. recommend. If you're looking for another, uh, UX-based, web-based, uh, and tech-based show to go listen to, they are theunusable.com, but he is one of our latest Patreon backers. So thank you, Andrew. We appreciate the hell out of that. Um, and we also love your show, so that, that made for a great double plug uh, on, on your behalf. But today, the state of UX, um, this well, no, comes, it's the state of UX for next year. The state of New York, the 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 the, the yeah words. <laughs> uh, the state of UX in 2022 uh, is coming your way from uh, the uh, UX Collective, which, if you're not mm-hmm. familiar with, is UXDesign.cc. Um, you can follow along with us if you want to. It's trends.uxdesign.cc. We'll take you to their lander. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is like this is not like your typical survey. It's not like when we talk about the state of CSS or the state of JS or anything like that. Yeah. Um, this is more of a review of like feedback and trend, like literal trends of things in the industry for user experience. Uh, standing on the shoulders of giants. That's what we do here. <laughs> So I'm only five eight, tiny boy. <laughs> the the secret is uh, uh, what Aaron doesn't tell anybody is he's actually only four six. Um, he's sitting on a box right now, so his webcam can two actually pick him up. So two boxes. Uh, the the hair adds like three inches. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's two boxes. One of them is a milk crate, and the other one is had a TV in it. I think. Hey so. Ben. No judgment. Whatever you need to do. <laughs> um, they open up with what they call the big influx. This is sort of their opener that just kind of drops us into, you know, what's happening in career growth. This, UX is one of those fields, and not just UX. I said at the start of this that um, 
you know, I'm f- also going to fold in some some commentary on just design, on development and things into this. Um, our industry, outside of like maybe, I don't know, nursing and like right this second hospitality, mm-hmm. you know, the, the tech industry is one where the employee has a lot of power. Um, a lot more than I think people realize because of the amount of demand mm-hmm. for all manner and form of people who work in web. Uh, yeah. Companies all over are looking for folks, trying, you know, they are fighting over folks in terms of like what they're giving out salary wise, benefit wise. And that's not going to stop anytime soon. You know, the, this demand mm-hmm. is only going to continue to grow in, in the years coming because everything needs companion. You know, any product has to have a companion app now or a companion website. Um, every company wants to have an online presence of some kind, which sounds like something you would have said 20 years ago. And it was true 20 years ago as well. But now they want they want to be online, but they also want to be good online. It's not enough to just be there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, they made a, a note that um, the entry-level starting salary in UX design – um, Aaron, are you staring at the notes? Can I ask you this question without you cheating? <laughs> uh, I've already seen it. Damn it. Um, so, but I'll pretend. Let's pretend that I haven't read it. Yeah. Let, let me change the question. Okay. Did it surprise you? Yes. <laughs> We're both looking at it. We should probably say what it is. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> I, 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 was, I was feeling you out first. Yeah, so the average salary in UX design is $58,600. By, by comparison, the... Uh, the U.S. Census has the median household income at sixty-seven thousand in twenty twenty, and the median earnings of all workers aged fifteen and over as about forty-two thousand. Um, so it's above individual median earnings, but below like household earnings. It's not. I mean, it's not terrible. And yes, like right out of college, that I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate it. Like that would be. I, I like. I would definitely accept it right out of college. Um. But either way, like I, I think from where I'm sitting, my old man brain goes <laughs> coming out of college with the possibility of making fifty eight grand or more. Yeah, and knowing that it goes up from there, like sure. that's that's not terrible. That's true. It does say average entry level. That's not that's not too bad. No. Oh yeah, it okay. does say entry level. You're right. It does yeah, say entry it's level. Not, so it's not average salary. It's average right, entry right. level. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because, no, that's better. A senior UX designer and you or UX researcher um, routinely makes six figures. Yeah, routine. That makes more sense. Yeah, given what they're what they're doing. Here's one thing I want to uh, I want to hit on though. Um, a, uh, according to Hired.com, in 2020 there was a 289 percent increase in, in interest in UX roles, so almost tripled, uh, give or take. That's that's huge unto itself. Um, but there's one note they threw out there that really scares me, I guess. Mm-hmm. And maybe scare is the wrong word, but it, it bothers me. <laughs> um, have you ever used Fiverr? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. sort of. I have, you, have you ever used it as a customer or a, a creator? No, but I'm familiar with it. Okay. Um, I've used it uh, uh, not as a creator, but I have I have purchased services through Fiverr in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's rough to say the least. Like it's yeah. it's hard to I think get really good quality stuff unless you are paying higher. But here's the scary uh, stat from this: is that 
$15 is a common starting price for a UX gig. Hmm. So you can go hire a UX designer for a task. I'm, I don't even want to use the word project because for 15 bucks, that's not a project. You are asking them to do one thing and yeah. that's it. But at, at $15, I want to encourage folks, anybody who's getting into UX design, even if you're new, even if you're fresh out of college or in college and you're building a portfolio, think about how you value yourself. Because $15 is not even like right at two hours of minimum wage work. One of the things I dislike about Fiverr is the gig economy undercuts like what people should be paid. And and it's it's like those it's like the people who you have like some people who make a living doing something and some people do it as a hobby and are like, oh, I'll just take whatever. But the problem is that I'll just take whatever means that it like lowers the floor on what other people expect to pay for the work. And I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you're right, though. That I mean, that's a whole other well to dig into. But that's mm -hmm. why I just wanted to kind of like when you look at this stuff, if you go look at, at the report that that UX Collective put out, um, mm -hmm. that that note jumped out at me. And I'm just like, what? How many like take one one task that you need to do for work? Can you do it in two hours on, mm -hmm. on average? And would you be willing to accept literally minimum wage 50, for that? Dollars. And God. like, yeah, no, <laughs> no, I will not. Yeah. Um, and I know that that's like, that's easy for somebody in my position to say, who's been in the industry forever, um, who, who has, you know, sowed his at this point, but mm -hmm. um, e even starting out, like you, you can and should ask for more than that for your work. Mm -hmm. And not to knock Fiverr, there are plenty of folks who, you know, do good stuff there, but it's also probably not the place you should be starting. <laughs> Right. Uh, if that's the case. Um, the other big influx, though, comes from a totally different pivot point. And this one's kind of cool. And I don't know what to make of it quite yet. Mm -hmm. 293,000 new UX designers have come out of Google's UX design certification. So I didn't even know that that existed. Um, but I looked at it after seeing it in the show notes and I kind of want to do it. It's, it, I'm kind of <laughs> there with you. I have looked at it. Um, it's one of those things that like, on one hand, do you want Google mm -hmm. teaching you, you know, the ins and outs of, of UX design? Um, I have heard very good things about the course for what it's worth. Like mm -hmm. Google's name being attached to it aside, like I have heard that it actually is very good from a content standpoint. Sure. Um, it, uh, it, it's cheap. I think that's yeah. one of the big uh, advantages it's, to it. It says it's 39 a month. And uh, users will take will finish it in three to six months on average. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and I've heard people doing it. Yeah, in, in three to four months. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know how much time they're putting in every day on that. I think it was. I think sure. the one I read was like an hour a day. Um, yeah, I don't right. think there's any other like certificate fee. Like, some I've seen some things like that that it's like, like the old like the edX stuff or or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, where it's like you could take the courses for free or get the certificate, but if you want right. the certificate. You got to pay right. us $14,000. Like, oh, well, no. But 39 bucks a month for six months? Like, that's pretty affordable to get what is arguably one of the very few certifications that exists mm -hmm. that even if you don't consider Google the end-all be-all of, of, like, certificate authorities on something like that, like, sure, it's something at least. Yeah, and it's I, – I think that the idea of just having a, a structured – 
like a course that is definitely contemporary um would be really yeah, useful for date. something like this. Yeah. Um, that's what most excites me about it. It's not so much the name attached to it, but it would just be getting kind of a space to uh like I guess cut my teeth on um and you know use some of this experience and actually like kind of like putting a name to a thing, you know? And I will also throw this out that you know everybody's listening and is like but you literally run a show called the Drunken UX Podcast. Why would you need UX <laughs> certification? And I will be quick to remind everybody, the Drunken UX is about your experience with us, not our areas of expertise. <laughs> no, it's because you get drunk and review websites. <laughs> yes. um, I, I did that. I have said that many times. That was the original goal of the show was drunken user testing. But um, there. The Coursera notes there's another 262,000 people already enrolled mm-hmm. to continue that. So figure, assuming those numbers are in fact additive, you know, you're yeah. over half a million people taking that certification. Um, right. That's an interesting stat. And it also, you know, yeah, it gives us a baseline, um, mm-hmm. especially for underserved communities. And I think that's the big part. Right. I get a lot, especially in Instagram, I get a lot of ads for like, um, you know, uh, University of Kansas, come come take our experience design courses. Mm-hmm. Okay, well that's cool, but those courses are five hundred bucks a piece. Yeah, and and you know that puts that out of reach for a lot of people, if not more. You know, right? And by the by the time you have paid for like all the courses and the certification from them, like I say, don't be surprised if you're ten thousand dollars in. Now that's mm-hmm. not a knock on on University of Kansas or any other higher ed institution it and it's not like oh it's elite and all of that but it that is out of reach for so many people and 39 bucks a month and coursera also has financial aid for that 39 Mm -hmm. bucks a month so i i think that that's what makes this appealing whether you love or hate google whether you love or hate coursera um i think there is value to be explored here and i am with you that um I am willing to put my money where my mouth is, take the mm-hmm. course, and come back on the show halfway through season five yeah. and share our experiences on it. Yeah, definitely. All right, yeah. let's do let's it. See. Okay, we'll let's do, do it. We'll, we'll make this the the state of UX in 2022 for us. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so uh, that that's actually a, a perfect time to, to pivot. So you need a Coursera subscription to do that. It's 39 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. And the next thing they jump into is – um, this notion of like everyone is a subscription is the next uh, section they have. This idea that uh, there's so much out there like gig economy related that you can yeah. put out and try to make all this extra money or do extra things, create extra clout. Yeah, I, I'm not making the noises you are, but I'm kind of with you as far as like the pain I, I feel in my soul. I just that's that's another rat hole I don't want to go down, but I just I the commoditization of our peers I think just bugs me. They 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 write in in their deal. More and more designers are launching online courses and paid UX communities, as well as selling UI kits or NFTs. Now, on one hand, I want to be very clear: if you want to go teach, share what you have, do what you want. Mm-hmm. God knows we've been doing it for four years now and about to start a fifth year. Like there, there's a lot to be said for going out and creating content and putting that content out there. And if you have any passion for it at all, you should 
do that because mm-hmm. doing it also makes you better at it. I th- I think that's I think you, what you just said right there. I want to underscore that. Um, if you have the passion for it, if you feel a drive to do it, and you would like you know to be compensated for your time while you're doing this thing that you feel a drive to do, that's great. You should totally do it. I I think that there should be maybe a little bit of caution on uh, seeing this as like, oh well, I just want to make money, so this is a way that I can make money, or or yeah, I, I have to make money. Yeah, there's yeah. that side of it too, because that that's I think my problem is. It's okay if you want to do that. Passion, mm-hmm. drive, you know, you you want to do that. You shouldn't have to be going out there and crafting UI kits to sell or minting yeah. NFTs. It's it's tough. Um they go on to say your time, attention and money are limited, so you should choose how you spend them carefully to avoid yeah. or recover from the burnout that so many people have been experiencing this year. We should stop worrying so much about catching up with the industry and simply learn how to do nothing from time to time. Also, cannot underline that enough. You know, this notion of taking breaks. I was having a conversation with uh, one of my team members today at work, and I told him, it's Friday. It's Mm -hmm. five o'clock in two and a half hours. I'm done at five. Yeah. I will not be looking at stuff after that. Like, I'm turning off. I'm going away from my work. Now I'm recording this, but this is hardly work. This is fun for me. I I literally enjoy this. Like this is a different thing. This is part of that yeah. passion statement, right? I like I have it's funny. Yesterday, you know, I I checked out of work. I worked a little longer yesterday than normal. But you know, I was done with work around six and then I went upstairs and got out my other laptop and then sat down and started grinding on some SAS for a project that I'm working on for fun. And, um, it's very exciting. Like I've, I feel invigorated by it. Like it's a lot of fun and I'm really enjoying it, but like it was not lost on me that it's like, Oh, I'm tired of looking at bad screen. Want to go home and look at good screen. Right. (laughs) There's one last little bit they've got in here that I, it's weird. And now they've, they've linked several different articles and stuff and like resources Mm to, uh, to reference this they talk about uh, as paid uh, subscriptions become more common in the upcoming year uh, content creators have the responsibility to build positive communities around them it's time we shifted from reach to depth and from putting ourselves Mm. in the spotlight to acknowledging and sharing other people's work now i believe that i think that's good and true and healthy but yeah then there's a section that follows on this that i'm less clear on what they were getting (laughs) at which is as a professional design influencer hate the word yeah. You can access a full catalog of platforms and tools that can help you earn money through shared ad revenue, tip jars, paywalls, exclusive access, patronage, and whatnot. And it's like on on one hand, there's we're acknowledging like the rat race of trying to make any kind of living money side hustle, whatever, through subscription services mm-hmm. to oh, but here's all the ways you can do that. And I cannot stress enough how almost impossible it is to make any sort of real money from yeah. that kind of side hustle. It's it's a lot like uh being a professional gamer or a sports Twitch streamer. Person. Yeah. Twitch like, streamer. Yeah. Like some people do, but like you're looking at uh, you know, the very, very small majority. It's it's definitely like a an exponential or um 
uh, power law curve. Go, uh, you go up above when we were talking about the influx of, of people. Mm-hmm. Half a million UX designers entering the game in the last year. Yeah. With 289% increase in interest in, in roles. And do you know how many of those are going to make real money on any kind of subscription basis or, or analog thereof? Like the number is not high. I'd be really curious to know how many of them are already doing UX design and did it as kind of supplemental instruction. Um, like maybe they were a traditional graphic designer, you know, having that as a degree, and then they wanted to kind of um, bolster their UX design creds. Yeah. And like I say, that's fine. As long as you, if you're doing it for the passion, if you're doing it yeah. to like, yeah, build cred for yourself, to establish mm-hmm. like a foundation that you can launch from, um, then – Go for it. I think the point you're really trying to make here is like, like this is not a like if you're if you're going after the gold rush, you you may be disappointed to find there's a bunch of pyrite. No, (laughs) I like the metaphor. I want to twist it though. Um, You can't enter the gold rush because you want to find gold. You got to enter the gold rush because you just like digging in dirt. (laughs) Like you just got to enjoy making sandcastles, brother. Like that's uh, a. That's what you really have to have there. Cause I, and if I've you, had that if discussion. You really likes, if you like sitting in a stream for hours on end with a sieve in your hand, you might enjoy this. Yeah. <laughs> my uh, my former boss at IU, uh, John Dalton, he used to say that uh, content is a hungry beast. And I've I found that to be so true. <laughs> There's these different lines that you have to kind of weigh and look at and – it's kind of hard to figure out like where where how do you emphasize those different things and like weigh the value that's what I, the word I was hunting for. How do you demonstrate sure. the value in different things? Um, yeah, one is through process, and they call out process um as something bad, though mm-hmm. I am over emphasizing that. The point they make is this notion, they say, are we over-indexing on process to compensate for lack of trust? This notion <laughs> that we we use process to make up for our inability to listen to the people that we hire. Wait, let's – can we unpack that statement? Are we over-indexing on process to compensate for lack of trust? Yes. Um, let's break this down. Over, what does over-indexing mean here? Because this is pulled out of context. Like – putting way too much value and faith in we have to do the thing this way because Mm -hmm. the process tells us this is where we make this decision or this is how we make this decision oh okay okay what what we might call in the industry cargo holding yes you're you're just you're just reciting you're reciting the movements that you believe will summon the dollars um the don't don't let the process scare you away from making decisions, but we don't need to be afraid of that decision making um right and and worry about it so much uh and the other they go on to say though, just because a framework helps you arrive at a decision doesn't mean that the decision is the right one so uh, on the flip side of this though there's so if you have if you have the process, you know, there's that aphorism like trust the process. Um, a lot of processes are well established because it's a series of steps that work mm-hmm. um, and you set yourself up for success by observing like, you know, the process as written, even if it's not 100% success. 
it's like the best possible outcome rather than uh, making um, shoot it from the hip de decisions about things that just seem like they're correct at the time. Um, it's sort of like the difference between like trusting an expert decision versus trusting the article you just read on the internet. You know what I mean? Um, and so it, there's like, yeah, sometimes it makes sense to kind of roll your own and make that spontaneous decision. And sometimes the process makes sense or sometimes the process is the correct thing, even if it's not intuitive to you. And that's, that's kind of a difficult thing that I think requires experience to know when you should deviate from the process. That's definitely true. And I, I think the way I would break this out is, you know, one area where I hear like that kind of language, trust the process is mm -hmm. in environments where the person asking the question cannot help themselves. And so mm -hmm. to really break out of the mold, yeah. here, I'm I'm talking about, you know, if you are seeing a therapist for something or if you're in AA mm -hmm. or NA or one of those kinds of things, you hear this notion of you have to trust the process because you can't make the decisions in those moments, right? Like right, you, right. you aren't in a position to help yourself get out of those troubles. And so you have to mm -hmm. trust the process. But that's a very like visceral kind of process as opposed to a a simple decision making framework so to I, speak i can give you a very like topical uh comparison for this in in the ruby on rails world there's the we have an aphorism called convention over configuration there's like the rails way of doing things and the rails way is you know the way that's of approaching things that's described it's the highly opinionated approach described on all of the guides and docs and everything and sometimes, sometimes you really do have to deviate from it. You have to configure things a little bit. You have to go off the rails a little bit. It happens. Um, but whenever I talk to new Rails developers, I, I always like, I'm like, look, until you know the reason why you need to go away from the conventions, stick with the conventions. Right. Because you are like creating a world of hurt for future you if you try to roll your own too much early on. Especially when you don't know the impact of those long-term decisions. Yeah, I said something similar earlier, and I can't remember if it was work-related or if it was an entirely different context. <laughs> but it, was, it was one of those I said something to the effect of like, "You'll know if you need it." Like, yeah, like yeah. you you will get to that point where it's like, okay, the thing I'm doing is no longer sufficing. It's like you will know when mm -hmm. you reach that moment of questioning. Now, that's not always sure. true, but it is frequently true. Um, yeah. and when you get to those moments, that's where it's always good to reach out, um, and, and yeah. ask somebody for input or something like that. Cause it's always good. Yeah. To, don't break convention just because it's inconvenient. Break it because I, I, it's not the right way to make the choice or decision. To go back to the original quote from the article, it says over indexing on a process that, that I want to emphasize the over there. Yes, like over, over indexing. You're still indexing on a process. You're still working from the process. This is just advising you to not overly you, rely on. You know it. what over-indexing is? Hmm. The, when when your uh when your GPS is not up to date and is like turn <laughs> turn right in in five Into meters and it's yeah and it's like a sidewalk and you're like there's no road here but it told me to turn <laughs> yeah. right. You have just over-indexed on your GPS and that, that's that is the. That's the best possible example. You're That's Michael Scott driving into a lake. Yes. Um, <laughs> there's two other quick things about process, though, that I think are worth calling out. First and foremost, 
anything process related to user experience is virtually impossible if you don't hire UX people. Oh, yeah. Now, you can hire designers and developers who have an understanding of UX. That's mm-hmm. a partial fill, certainly. Um, that may be, if you're a small organization, that may be all you can, can do. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. But then you have hired some UX people. It's all right for a developer to have UX experience. I'm gonna, what I'm about to say is going to literally reinforce that. The other thing is successful UX absolutely cannot exist without interdiscipline communication. Can't. Can you uh, clarify interdiscipline communication? So I'm talking about making sure web developers, coders are talking to mm-hmm. content writers and that mm-hmm. art directors are talking to UI designers. UX design does not exist in a bubble and every one mm-hmm. of those people has a hand in building something that impacts UX. And yeah. you can't just hire Somebody, you know, a UX designer and plop them in or a UX researcher and think problems are solved. Communication is still an integral part of success and process. Mm -hmm. And if you don't give those teams the ability to talk to each other and encourage them to talk to each other, you're still going to have problems, period. Like there, there is no way to make that successful without those groups communicating with each other. And a lot of the times, that's what happens. What we, we the way we call it is grenades get thrown over the fence, right? <laughs> Somebody's like, "Well, I'm done with this problem. I'm gonna make it their problem now," and they throw that grenade Yeet. over the fence. Yeah, yeet the uh, heat, baby. For, <laughs> for form may follow function, but you still need both form and function, right? To have like to have a, a product, and that's actually very important to their next section, which is collaboration. Mm-hmm. And they, they talk about collaboration cannot be scheduled and this notion of just how much we've learned in the last year and a half of how much collaboration has changed, right? Mm-hmm. What does collaboration look like in 2022? Um, mm-hmm. You're vaccinated. You're back at work. Offices are back open. What have we learned in the last year? What has changed? What are we better at or worse at? I don't have the context on this, but all the stuff from 2022, they keep bringing up elephants and I don't know why. So I'm guessing that in the next year, elephants will have some kind of cultural significance. So they they might be in the room. They might not be. Yeah. Uh, they have. They make a comment. We need. We need a space for making, not for talking about making. Hmm. And I think it, it's pretty abstract, but it's also interesting um, because it reinforces. And I've actually got this. I'm I'm on a home office. Oh. I work with a distributed team. <laughs> That's, is that just a fancy way of saying like stop scheduling so many fucking meetings and actually schedule time for work? <laughs> kind of, yeah. Um, it's like, or the 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 one I like is the variation on this is um, it don't if you can't do something, don't get in the way of the mm. people who can. Um, which I think oh, is a yeah. very PG way of saying that. I think there's a much more offensive way of saying it, but. Um, <laughs> I have I work with a distributed team, a very distributed team. We don't have mm-hmm. a space for us to come together. I have in my office a whiteboard on my own wall that I can walk mm-hmm. over to and draw stuff sometimes and and yeah. like visualize. I gave myself a space to make um yeah. there and it, that's hard because it's hard for me to share that. I can point a webcam at it if I needed to, but right. It, it's that that's been the problem. I think we've realized a lot in the last year and a half is 
yeah, it's super easy to schedule a Zoom meeting or a Hangout and talk about a mm-hmm. lot of stuff and make yet another Google Doc. But those things tend to involve lots of talking and not very much action. And sure. we have not gotten real good yet at <laughs> what that process looks like because it's hard still, I think, to share that space. Um, there are you onboard can, can, or online whiteboarding apps and things like that, but you can measure twice or even three times, but you still have to cut at some point. It's <laughs> it, the other problem is, and and what I've noticed is different teams use what works for them. Mm-hmm. But it ends up with a lot of teams, with even within one company, some are all on board with Google Docs. Some are using a totally different project management platform. Others are putting everything in Slack threads or emails. Like mm-hmm. the, And when these groups, remember what we were just talking about interdisciplinary communication, when you start right. to need these teams to talk together and work together, yeah. and all of them have different processes, that collaboration suffers because... Now we're trying to figure out now, – now your project manager, project owner has to be responsible for normalizing all of that communication and right. process on top of just trying to get the thing built. Um, right. I don't have a suggestion on that. Like that's – I'm just pointing it out is all I can really do yeah, here. Yeah, that's, that's tough. I've been on both sides of that, like trying to get uh, – trying to find a way to get people from different disciplines to collaborate but also being one of the collaborators that they're trying to loop into one single place. And sometimes the place that they find just sucks. (laughs) Uh, And I don't know. I I have yet to use a product for collaboration like that, that I'm not disappointed in. Yeah. It's just like one size fits all, you know, it means it doesn't really fit right for most people. I I definitely (laughs) don't have like a silver bullet. I wish I did. Um, Mm -hmm. I have tools I like, and it's like I know other folks don't use them. Or I have tools that are literally good for us as developers, mm-hmm. but I can't ask – I made a joke earlier today actually about this that we were talking about different ways that groups are like tracking issues and work that needs done and things. And I'm like yeah. – I – you know, we leave code comments for ourselves all the time, like notes about – I need to do this when I come back to it or like, mm-hmm. here's just what this function does. I have JS docs on everything, you know, things like this. Yeah. And I leave all of this documentation. I, that works for me. That works for us. My team understands it. We know what it means when there's certain things in different comments. And I cannot ask a designer and say, oh yeah, we were building that thing. Didn't you look at my uh, comment commits in GitHub? I can't <laughs> I can't ask the, the designers to do that. They don't live in GitHub. That's not reasonable. That's and that's part of that normalization, right? You have to attenuate yeah. these signals. And we don't know how to do that yet without somebody in the middle to kind of it's funny. emphasize at, that. At a previous job, we my employer paid for GitHub Enterprise, which isn't cheap. Um and there were, you know, so all the developers were using private repos on GitHub Enterprise. We had our own separate little universe for it. Um, but we used LeanKit for issue tracking. And when I asked about why we weren't using like GitHub projects or something, because that works great and it integrates tightly with issues and pull requests, um, I was told that it just didn't have the features that the PMs were looking for. And I found that really annoying, but I think that kind of goes back to that point about like, you know, finding the space where people can collaborate like correctly. Um, yeah, that's tricky. 
Managers always got to be harsh on our. I know, our models, man. One day you're going to be one. Nope. Just wait. Um, nope. Even if it means saving the world, which is where they start to end that. And it's interesting. Look, if I have to become a manager to save the world, I'm sorry, worlds, you're going to not be saved. <laughs> I got an, I got enough in me for the both of us. Don't worry. I also have a cape. Um, you have, you have a Ghostbusters costume, dude. Why are you going to wear a cape? True. That's that <laughs> an excellent thing. point. Um, this gets in this saving the world. They they say saving the world is not a KPI. Advocating for people while meeting business goals, and this is hard. This is Hold something. On. Wait, wait, wait. Saving the world is not a KPI. A key performance indicator. No, I know what that means. What was the rest of it? Uh, that advocating for people while making business goals. It's it's more of like a a headline. It's not so much a statement. Yeah. It's just saying. Right. Like how? How do we advocate for people but also meet business goals? Um and this is the constant like problem of the designer, right? The classic designer, the the graphic designer. How do you commoditize and quantify good design? And it's very mm-hmm. hard. It's one reason why you've seen so many graphic designers move into the space of UX design and things like that because UX design can be quantified. You can quantify mm-hmm. it by like, you know, time to interaction, abandon rates, things like that. There are ways oh, yeah. that we can say like the user experience is working or failing. Mm-hmm. Um, but this gets into a lot of stuff that we are going to be talking about a lot more in the coming year. Um, you're going to hear our favorite word, kind design. And as we talk about <laughs> all of these words, kind design, human-centered design, inclusive design, accessible design. Well, why build things the right way if it costs me more money and I can't get more conversions out of it? Um, right. Do it quick. Do it fast. Put that dark pattern up there. Make every screen have a pop-up to sign up for our newsletter because we know for a fact that it makes people sign up for our newsletter. Um and we aren't good yet as an industry at articulating why those things are bad, why we should value yeah. the user over the the conversion. Um, and I hope we can help that conversation in the coming year, but it's going to mm-hmm. take more than us. I think that's one of those yeah. big takeaways there. Like we can't do it in a vacuum ourselves either because what you will often hear is ethics are bad for business. It's it's tough to convince um, a certain group of people to leave money on the table. Yeah, and um, I, and I'm not trying to be coy. I'm just not sure what word I'm looking for there. Um, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. and they've got a lot. I'm not going to link all their articles in our show notes because sure. their thing has all the articles linked in in their deal. So go look at is trends.uxdesign.cc. And they've got all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff, and and they've got these articles that talk about things like design is not philanthropy, um, that the goal of companies is to profit more, faster, and more regularly. And of course it is. Companies exist to make money. Like, that is that is a reality mm-hmm. of capitalism. Welcome to the party. Um, but – I still – I, I – <laughs> Again, another bad hole. Yeah, yeah. I no. The, yeah, the only thing I want to say about that is that, like – I I would agree that maybe today companies exist to make money in the same way that so many new instruments and abstractions and 
constructs that we create are existing to make people money and make people rich. But I don't, I, I think the original purpose of a company was to create something or to provide a service and the, the ancillary goal or the ancillary consequence of producing money or making profit from that allowed them to sustain doing the service or product that they were producing. Um, and, and I, I think people lose sight of that sometimes. Well, um, and we have to give a damn. That's, that's something they say. Remember to give a damn. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as Sherry Byrne Haber reminds us in our most recent book, just because we we're not saving the world doesn't mean we shouldn't give a damn. Accessibility mm-hmm. is a great place to start having an impact. And, and it, like, it's, it's kind of a throwaway little sentence there, but you know, if, if nobody's holding the line, then nobody holds the yeah. line. The elevators yeah. don't get added to buildings. The ramps don't get put next to stairs. You know, the, mm-hmm. the handles end up turning into doorknobs. Like there's all of these things that happen and it feels like, oh my God, we're always fighting and we're never getting anywhere. And the reality is we are getting somewhere. We're having right. these conversations more and more. And eventually we are going to get some standards in place that are requirements that like, and and people do care. People are learning about these things and we are learning how to show good, you know, good inclusive design, truly inclusive design that is accessible, that is universal, makes better mm-hmm. products. And we're learning yeah. how to measure what does that better mean? How do, how do we show that in a conversion? How do we show that in a web vital? How do we show that in a report? our bosses will care about and it's not going to happen tomorrow. That's, I think that's the thing. It's, it's important to put metrics on these things to make them measurable. Like if you, if you had a report that only measured profitability and your company was given a thousand dollars every time it sacrificed a villager to the be local Nestle. vampire or whatever. <laughs> yes. Oops. Did I say yeah. that? Sorry. <laughs> Rat hole. <laughs> um, but like if all of you're looking at it, the profitability, then yeah, that's an excellent decision. You're making tons of money. Cool. But if you also start tracking like, well, how many villagers do we have? And like, what's that looking like? And then you see like, oh, well, that's declining over time. All of a sudden, like, you know, now there's something that's being tracked. And I think that part of giving a damn and part of introducing those things into the conversation of consideration is to make them measurable. Um, and we don't have a good thing of that for accessibility. I think like we, we kind of do, you know what we don't like have we, yeah. um, is we're, we are, we are just getting, let me rephrase mm-hmm. um, to kind of go back to that earlier point. We have only ever had a lot of short-term data, research in the moments that tell us things that are true in this snapshot of time, but our industry has lacked long-term data that helps us really start to put perspective and qualification on the quantification. And now, after, you know, a solid 25 years of, of researching the stuff and building it, now we're starting to get the big picture type of research and perspectives put together that let Mm. us start to actually say, here's why you shouldn't be sacrificing the short-term gains for the long-term gains. Mm -hmm. 
And inclusive design, kind design is all about the long-term plan. I think, I think you have that backwards. Did I? You said we shouldn't sacrifice the short-term gains to the long-term gains, but I think you either mean should we or sh- you want to swap those well, two. Uh, yeah, I, uh, you're right. We shouldn't sacrifice the long-term gains for the short-term Yes, gains. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. The long-term yeah. is the thing because most of what we have does cost in the short-term. It it does. Like, there's yeah. no way around it. There's no other way to put it. Like, well, it, it, look, look at it this way. The I Have you seen that meme about the, uh, the U.S. Postal Service, like, not being – that posting a profit or whatever, post a loss or something like that. Like the U.S. Postal Service isn't a business. It's a service. Like it's it allows you to pay 50 cents or whatever a stamp costs. I don't buy stamps anymore. <laughs> I don't go to the post office. Usually I use, use the barcodes. Um, it allows you to pay like under a dollar to send a piece of paper, a physical piece of paper from coast to coast. And in a very short amount of time, I think that's pretty damn incredible. And not everything, it doesn't really have to be gains, like long or short term. Sometimes the gains aren't monetary. Sometimes it's quality. Sometimes it's like quality of life. Sometimes it's uh, quality of service. Um, You know, like that's what I'm saying. You have to find ways to measure these things so that they're part of the conversation. Because if all you're looking at, like for the postal service, is how much money are they making? You're completely missing the the important part. <laughs> like I'm pointing at the moon and you're looking at my hand. Yeah. You know, like it's uh. it's it's tough. And I hope we can when as we start articulating the the kind design uh, mythos, and we will be uh, launching some resources next year to assist with that as we are still building and collecting now. Um, but that stuff hopefully will help. I think you know it, it, it kind of gets into this phrase i think you've thrown this around before aaron this notion of mm-hmm. you know I, I don't know how to convince you how to give a shit about another person right like you do <laughs> right. you you exercise kind design not because it's the right business decision but because it's the right human decision but yeah you understand that human good human centered decisions pay off in the long run they pay off in in customer loyalty and product quality and mm-hmm. usability like all of the things but you have to plant the seed and give it time to grow. Um, and yeah, like why, why can't, how many people have we helped today or how many people's lives have we actually improved today? Why can't that how, be a metric? How many of how companies right now? Like uh, are, do you see, like I've, we've got one here in town, a store where you go down, it's a clothing store and on one of the racks for one of their vendors, it mm-hmm. has an up to date count with how many trees they've planted for every article of clothing yeah. sold. And they are using their environmentalism as a marketing gimmick. Um, let's end this on the way they ended it, which is rebuild right. Look, it's a new year in another couple weeks. New year, new you, new chances, new opportunities. Um, you know, there are all kinds of ways we can come at this. Uh, the last year and a half have given us so much to reflect on. The problems we've faced, the experiences we've had, and how we can bring those things in. Um, my, my biggest piece of advice is in all things, be kind and mm-hmm. kind design will lead you to the answers and don't be afraid to question that process. If it gets in the way, that's mm-hmm. like kind design is a philosophy. It's not a set of rules. It's not any of that. 
Um, it's the point of point of origin. It's yeah. It's a place to start from. Mm-hmm. It's a place to have these conversations. If you're stuck somewhere where you, you you're afraid to get out or you can't get out right now, think about how you can start that conversation about, hey, we're getting ready to hire for this position. Maybe you can advocate for, you know, a diverse hire of some kind. Maybe you can advocate for, hey, you're going to let me test some people. Can I bring in a couple of these other folks from this other community um, who are, you know, low vision or or have motor control problems? Because I think there might be a problem here. And mm-hmm. it won't be a big deal for us to bring them in and at least get feedback from them. Like, think about conversations you can start and and that <laughs> change from within is possible in all things. This is going to sound really corny, but I, I I honestly do do this. Um, when I feel when I feel like I've lost my way, or like if I feel like I'm forgetting how to do that or how to see the world that way, I watch Mister Rogers yeah. reruns. <laughs> I love it. I love if you've, it. If you if you if you've never watched Mr. Rogers Neighborhood before, I think it's on some streaming services. Um I, you have to check you have to check it out and you have to get over the initial feeling of like just like what the fuck? Mr. Rogers would the, absolutely support torrenting Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> if it meant it got to more people, you know, like yeah, he absolutely would. He he's a man who like was so incredibly kind that it almost seems like it's a parody like it's hard to believe that someone could actually be like that and he was like that off camera too anyways like that's that's kind of a a place that i go to to remember when i forget i i I can't think of a better way to to jump Mm -hmm. off this topic than to say you know what (laughs) mr rogers yeah mr rogers that's 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 pretty that's pretty wholesome damn it (laughs) So as we've been talking about UX and all of the tools that can be out there to help you and all of the things that can, you know, we talk about collaboration. We talked about, mm-hmm. um, you know, communication. I want to give a shout out to our sponsors over at Tella. Um, these folks mm-hmm. have put together a really killer platform that lets you capture your screen, your camera. You can present slides, you customize your, your backgrounds and your layouts, your video clips. And it just creates a very new, fresh, dynamic way to get your information in front of the people who need to have them, whether you're doing training, whether you're trying to leave documentation for people, or whether you're trying to showcase something brand new that you've built that you're like, hey, come look at this thing. Look at all the stuff we did to make the world a better place and to empower our users, and I can show you it in a very cool way. Uh, You know, we were talking earlier about, you know, making things like for subscription services and stuff. Like yeah. you could use do I mean screen caps are definitely consumable. That's a very popular how, medium right how now. How boring is like and I admit I watch Twitch streams, not many of them, but I have a few <laughs> that I do enjoy and it's like it's always the same thing, right? The big video, yeah. the little box in the corner, a little list of like all the, you know, every time somebody subscribes up in the upper corner. Right. They've got a bunch of different ways to like change that layout, change the way the video looks in concert with it. Yeah, and make something really unique and interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to check them out, I can't recommend it enough. You can go sign up for a free account and just kind of feel it out. See if it's right for you. Um, run by their website. It's tella.com slash D-U-X, ducks. That's T-E-L-L-A dot com slash D-U-X. Hey, everybody. 
Merry Christmas, Jingle Bells, all that stuff. We do have one more episode coming up that will actually be out before Christmas, I believe, if my uh, if my math is, is correct on that. Um, that'll be on the 20th. Um, so actually, yes. that'll be the Merry Christmas episode, but I'm going to say it now anyway because it's December, and by God, jolly, all my Jingle Balls. Um, <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode. Did Let us know how you feel. Is tree up yet? Uh, I don't own a tree. Oh. I'm actually, I hate Christmas. I'm not going to lie. Oh. I was just oh <laughs> I was just trying to be festive for everybody else's sake. Uh gotcha. I buy presents okay. for people. That's that's my festivity. Yeah. Um It's cool, I won't ask. But <laughs> folks, we I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let us know how you feel about UX and where it's going in twenty twenty two. Um let mm-hmm. hey, I tell you what. Uh, Aaron and I are gonna look into taking this Google uh, UX design certification uh course yeah, for real. And <laughs> A, we're gonna update you in coming episodes as we start that out. But also, if you decide to do it, let us know and drop us a note. Actually, that would be super cool to set up like a drunken UX cohort I, to kind of go through the course together. I, I 100%. If you were interested in doing this. We could start a channel uh, for that. Let's, yeah, yeah. Let's let's all join up. Maybe, I don't know if they do, if Coursera does like uh, group pricing or something, but maybe we could get some kind of promotional discount by... I, by... I don't think we have that kind of clout, brother. <laughs> oh, we can ask. You're right. We should value yeah. ourselves. I, I can absolutely yeah. email them and ask them. No harm in asking. Yeah. Get like a sponsor code or something and then we could all like join it. I, I really, I think that would be truly cool. And I am actually really excited. I looked at the curriculum and it looks really cool. So excited for that. Uh, so yeah, come and uh, if you're interested in this, let us know on Twitter and Facebook.com slash UX, or I don't know how you would do this on Instagram.com slash podcast. But tag us in your photos Ooh. of UX No, no, no. Design? You got to slide into them DMs, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or better yet, the best place you could probably talk with us about this is at drunkenuxcom slash Discord. And come join us on the Discord server. Um, and then uh, if you want to help us out with transcripts, that would be really cool. And help us hit that first milestone. Um, it's drunkenuxcom slash support. Heck yeah. Um, and also, if you want to leave us a Christmas present, run by, I don't know if you're listening to us in iTunes, Pocket Casts, Spotify, wherever, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, leave us a, a rating at the very least, and if you really feel inclined, drop us a review. Um, good or bad. Like, you, even if you find us super annoying and don't want to listen to us anymore, let us know that. <laughs> Maybe we can make some changes to accommodate you. I'd be happy to do that. Also, feel free to reach out to us anytime and ask, you know, if there's a, a topic you'd like to hear us cover a guest you'd like us to have on. We are always open to all of those things because user experience Mm -hmm. is in our name. We are Drunken UX, and by God, if there's one thing I know how to do, it's keep my personas close, but (laughs) my users closer. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.